0: Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers. Hello, my name is Amy Monaghan and welcome back to our podcast recording for the NIHR Dementia Researcher website. This week we'll be looking at working and studying in the UK and I'm joined by three panellists, Deborah, Hannah and Raisa. So, Hannah, if you'd like to just say a few words first um, about where you're from and what you're doing.
1: Okay, so, um, hi everyone. My name is Hannah uh, Isotalus and I'm from Finland. I'm living in, uh, living and studying in Bristol right now, doing a PhD in memory and uh, cognitive neurosciences.
0: That's fine. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's what you're doing. <laughs> we'll uh, move on to Deborah. okay? So, Deborah, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you're doing.
2: Hello, everyone. So my name is Deborah. I'm from Brazil originally. Um, I came to the UK in 2013 for my PhD, uh, which I completed in 2016. And I started working as a research fellow, um, uh, managing a large European grant um, that is looking at improving the usability of current technology for people with dementia in the University of Nottingham. Perfect. And Raisa?
3: Hello, my name is Raisa. I'm from Lebanon and I'm currently a PhD student in Bournemouth University. I'm looking into cognitive impairments and diet in people with mild cognitive impairment. That's great
0: and I'm Amy Monahan. I'm a postdoctoral research associate at the Alzheimer's Research UK Drug Discovery Institute at UCL um, and I've done all of my studying in the UK so I'm definitely going to be relying on the panelists today to give us a few insights Um, If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at DemResearcher. And if you have any questions, suggestions for future podcasts, you can direct them there. Um, You can also join the discussion for this podcast using the hashtag ECR Dementia, or on the Dementia Researcher website where there'll be a forum page. The website is DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk and you can also find this podcast and other podcasts on our iTunes and SoundCloud accounts. So embarking on a career in research presents a specific set of challenges, I think we'll all agree. Doing so in a foreign country brings with it an added layer of complexity. These may range from different infrastructures that provide grants and funding through to overcoming a complex set of language and social barriers. Our panel today are all early career researchers from around the world. So Hannah, we'll start with you. and I know this is a strange question for you, because I know a little bit about your background, but can you tell us how you ended up studying in the in the UK? Because you've done all your studying in the UK, I think.
1: Yeah, so when I was in sixth form um, in Finland, I did a student exchange year in Australia. So I went and lived there for, um, for a year when I was 16 uh, or 17. And when I got back home to Finland from there, um, I had this idea that I just wanted to travel and see the world. Um, and then when I finished sixth form, I moved to Greece. I lived there for a while. Um, and I was working there with uh, with children in mental health services. And after I worked there as an assistant, I realized that maybe I wanted to go to university and do something else. Um, so I went on and um, wanted to study psychology, but it was really clear for me that I didn't want to do that in Finland. I wanted to do it somewhere where I could see the world and experience something I couldn't experience in Finland. Um, So I looked at uh, Melbourne University, Hawaii University, um, ended up naturally deciding on Scotland and did my (laughs) undergraduate degree in Glasgow.
0: As to why, I... I think there are many, many good reasons for studying in Scotland. Because I did my undergraduate at Edinburgh and my PhD at Aberdeen. So no one is allowed to laugh at Scotland as a choice for uh, where to choose to study. Yeah, definitely never regretted that choice when I was living there. That's great. So, Deborah, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about how you uh, came to
2: end up studying in the UK. Um, So, I think... um as well, I wanted to have some kind of world experience and I lived all my life in Brazil and I did all my undergrad and master's degree in Brazil. So um, PhD seemed to be the final and last chance that I had. So <laughs> I decided to go abroad. And because I, you know, studied English for such a long time, um, it seemed that it was the best Um, opportunity to go to the UK or Canada or US or something like that. So I started looking in the internet the best options for dementia research and the UK seemed to be uh, one of the best uh, places to do research on this field. So I just decided to come to Nottingham and I didn't know how nice people were there and how much uh, joy I would find there, which was lovely. But I also didn't know how much it was going to rain. So (laughs) it was a bit of a shock. Um, uh, But, yeah, here I am still doing research in Nottingham. I'm
0: glad the rain hasn't put you off. (laughs) Um, Not just yet. Is
2: there anything
3: you could add? Yeah, I did my undergrad back in Lebanon. Once I finished, I felt like I need to study somewhere else, see a new system, kind of. So what made sense was the UK. It's not too far from home. So not taking that big of an adventure. It's barely five hours away. So I ended up in Coventry doing my masters and once I finished I decided that I want to do research in dementia and as Deborah said there's no better place to do research in dementia than in the UK. So I ended up moving to the coast, back to the beach and warmer areas to Bournemouth. I think... Yeah,
0: <laughs> Deborah's <laughs> laughing because she's like Bournemouth isn't warm, that, that's Brazil's not warm. At all. warm. Yeah, it's
3: warmer than Nottingham,
0: I can assure you. Um, so we'll go back to Deborah actually for the next question. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome moving to the UK and and starting to study or research here?
2: Um I think I was really lucky in a sense that um, I found many people that I identified myself with. So I made lots of friends from the beginning, people from South America, people from here as well. Um, I would say that for me, as time, for many people when they come to the UK, it's very hard in the beginning and then it gets better. For me, it's the opposite. It's getting harder and harder because I'm finding myself with my friends going home um, and I'm staying, and so that's very hard, mm-hmm. and it is a very lonely place to be. So I suppose the social side of it is very difficult. You establish friendships and the friendships just um, they just friends just go home. Um, so that was a bit hard in terms of language, that was really tough as well. Although I understood everything my supervisors used to talk to me about, like, you know, in, in, in supervision meetings, I couldn't buy anything in the stores, for example, because I wouldn't understand anything the person would say. So I remember asking a friend to buy a mobile phone for me because I couldn't understand what the mobile phone had. So, you know, this kind of uh, tricky things, but you you've got to be really open um, to kind of uh, let yourself make mistakes and that's how I think I overcame these kind of barriers. And I think in terms of research it's really tricky uh, because we don't know the system. It's really really hard. Uh, for people who are already from here it's already difficult to understand m- many of the ethics you know, um, rules, regulation that change every year. Um, for us it's even worse because we don't know what is social care what is health care, what is what well, anything has to do with the others, so that was a bit tough. Um, and so, having a very supportive environment was very important.
0: Yeah, I and think that. what you've said about networks, and especially when people are moving away or moving back home, I think that's applicable to everyone, regardless if they've moved to the UK or not. But that's maybe, true. maybe more acutely so for you. And building a network around you is really, really important. And having that support as an early career researcher, and um, Raisa will come to you next, um, if you've had any particular challenges that you can talk about.
3: I think the most challenging thing was what she talked about, the ethics and trying to understand how the system goes, especially if you're doing research in health. Most of the people around you have worked in the NHS before, so they know how it goes, the different departments, who you need to ask, what you need to ask, and sometimes supervisors believe that you know it, so they don't go into details in it. and then. You see yourself going back and forth mm. because of that gap that nobody told you about. And then once you realise it, you're like, oh, now I get it. And then you have to do it all over again. So, Is there any advice that you've got for overcoming that challenge? Talk to someone who's done the ethics recently. Someone who's from the UK, just finished their ethics and just talk to them and help them help you go through it step by step. And if I can add to you, sometimes
2: the supervisors think that they know, but actually they don't because it changes so fast. All procedures change every year. So sometimes they even give wrong advice and then you teach them. You end up teaching them about what is kind of the current regulation, really.
0: And, Hannah, have you got any particular challenges that you've experienced? Um,
1: Well, I think the ethics procedure is quite challenging for anyone who who has to go through it for their research. so I've definitely found that that difficult. And then on a more um, personal note, like um adepra was saying about support networks and friendships, um I found when I did my undergraduate it wasn't that much of a much of an issue for me personally, but then when I went on to do my masters and my PhD, um I really started to feel the distance from my family. So um, like my siblings having children, uh, both my mom and dad have had bouts of ill health and being far away from them, even though I'm only from Finland. <laughs> um, so technically not that far away. I could still travel quicker from Bristol to New York than I could travel to see my mom and dad. So, so that kind of um, distance has, felt, has at times felt quite difficult.
0: And have you got any strategies that you've used to try and manage that difficulty?
1: Well, I think now with technology, um, it's a lot easier, certainly a lot easier than it was when I first started my undergraduate, um, to keep in touch. So um, we can do video calls with, um, with my nieces and, um, and I can talk with my mum and dad on the phone without breaking the bank. Um, so it's helpful.
2: I think um, something really important that actually I wasn't thinking about when I came to talk to this podcast because I thought it was really about dementia but thinking about the social side as a foreigner what nobody ever told me about before I came to the UK was how you change as a person and your identity changes and I have a feeling that I don't belong anywhere anymore so if I go to Brazil I I miss the UK if I'm in the UK I miss Brazil so I feel like I don't have a specific home anymore, and that's really hard. And when you have some emotional challenges in a, abroad, it's very hard to talk about feelings in another language, because you have all your emotional attachments to your mother tongue, and then you know you have to speak to I don't know psychologists or friends or in English, and that's a very very specific thing. But it makes total difference when you when you have an issue psychologically speaking. I mean stress or. Yeah and um, it's
1: also for people who don't have that experience of living far away from their from their friends and their family, they might not be able to relate to you when when you're going through difficult patches. so talking to them isn't always that helpful either.
0: I think some of the things you're reflecting on as well are um, not particularly unique to maybe studying abroad, but just the stresses of being an early career researcher and a PhD student and the fact that it can be quite isolating at times and you really become buried in, in your work, but not being able to communicate those those well must be particularly challenging. Yeah. Um so we'll move on a little bit more upbeat. <laughs> Happy. We all like studying in the UK, I'm assuming <laughs> that's why we've all stayed. Um, so what's your Let's come to you first, Racer. What's your overall impression of the research environment that you're in?
3: Um, coming in, I was pretty shocked about the research environment, especially in the university in Bournemouth. They have an amazing programme where they do even social support sessions for just PhD students. They do them during lunch times, weekly, and then afternoons every other week. So we can just sit all together. They have... All of us sitting, talking about our PhDs, how it's going, providing support to one another. And these kind of things just remove you from your little research bubble that you kind of feel yourself in when you're doing all the work through the week and then someone is on your desk saying, no, you're going to go and talk to others and then come back. So I kind of love I should that. have done my PhD in Bournemouth. It <laughs> sounds amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> Doctoral um, college works amazingly with
0: that. Yeah, and Deborah, maybe a little bit more specific to the dementia research in environment. Have you
2: found it as as good as you thought it was going to be? It was much better than I thought it would be. Actually, um, I found myself. I, I don't know. I had that idea that you know, I never thought a PhD could be so uh, your own. So you're supposed to have ownership, obviously, about your research, but having that you know, history as a master's student with your supervisor doing everything with you. I just felt so empowered and that having all the services available and everything works so well in terms of, uh, you know, communication, people respond quickly, um, procedures work, whereas in Brazil you have lots of bureaucracy. Um, and so I felt empowered to do more uh, than I actually could do, I think, in research in Brazil, if I may say.
0: And Hannah, what have your impressions been maybe throughout the whole time that you've you've been here? Um, I don't really have anything to say to this. i really <laughs> thought of this question. No more to, to add. That's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but maybe we'll go on to the, the next question mm-hmm. for you then. What do you think is unique about doing dementia research in, in the UK compared to maybe other countries?
1: So... um. Of course, my only experience is from within the UK, um, but even so seeing how it's uh, such a small country sort of demographically distances are quite small and there are so many major research institutions within the UK and there's a lot of collaboration um, and there are so many national conferences that... Um, that you can attend, because they'll be two hours away, uh, if not by car, then by air. And that is really quite unique, that you have all the expertise uh,
2: geographically, um, so close. And Deborah? Um, I think something that um, you you also have in other countries, but particularly in the UK is very strong when I go to various meetings that I have across Europe and in, even in South America um, in Asia we have a lot of public involvement and I think that in, in especially in dementia is very strong so it's getting stronger and stronger the idea that we have to listen to the voices of people with dementia because I do psychosocial research and that's really important and listening to family members and so the input that these people have on our decision making in research is very very strong and I learned a lot through that. And when I go, I work with still with people in Brazil. And uh, when I see the kind of activities that they have, it just strikes me that that is not there. And people are not being involved from the beginning, from the design of the study. And I'm being able now to take it there. So that's really, really nice. Are
0: there any specific advantages that you think involving people at that really early stage confers?
2: Well, they are the people living with the disease. So they are the experts. And so you can anticipate lots of challenges that you're going to have uh, throughout your research um, project if you ask them what they think from the beginning. So, for example, if you think about um, recruiting people, I don't know, in the train stations, let's say, and then people with dementia will say, well, but we don't actually go to train stations, let's say. Um, (laughs) And so why would you do that? So you, you would be anticipating that that is not a good strategy. And, and so you have a lot to gain also in, in terms of saving resources, saving time and stress, really.
0: And Raisa, have you found anything unique to the dementia research environment in the UK compared yeah.
3: to Lebanon? The way the data is disseminated all over the world, not just in Lebanon. Usually the results of research are kept in journals among the scientific community. But in the UK, you see organisations just trying to disseminate the data through bbc through twitter anyway just to get to the patient and the carer of the patient not just scientists who are looking or healthcare providers who are looking into dementia which kind of makes the people feel as she said more involved in the research and more willing to be recruited in future studies so this actually helps the progression of the research in a way so empowerment of the people that
0: are that are the subjects basically of this yes. research is really really
2: important. But I think, in terms of dementia specifically, um, also is a natural phenomenon, I think, because we have been having dementia for a longer time than countries with uh, low and middle income countries. So we are starting to have this issue right now. So in the UK, uh, there is much more awareness. And all the things of thinking, oh, this is part of aging, is already becoming kind of like a, um, something that everybody knows is not true. Whereas in Brazil, it's still part of the culture that, you know, she or he is old, and that's why he's getting forgetful and stuff like that. So you can see the the, the big difference, the gap that we have there. So being here is kind of being in the future, in a way. So that's a good thing. That's a nice way of describing it. I quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
0: So our final question, um, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to someone thinking of studying in the UK, one Deborah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) what would that be? Ooh, (laughs) I don't know. Would you like to start?
3: I would say go for it. Don't be scared. It's really welcoming culture, country, everybody's always willing to help. The UK is really international, so you wouldn't feel alone. Wherever you come from, there's someone else from the same country going through the same struggle, so it's fine. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I second that. Um, I'd also say um, that it's quite helpful if you get a chance to have a deep look at the research institutions you're looking at working with. There's quite a lot of variability um, across research institutions in the UK and you want to make sure that you find the right fit for yourself in terms of what they what they have to offer both socially and, uh, and in terms of research.
2: And also there are lots of communities uh, I would say in Facebook and in Twitter that you can actually ask questions for people who are already studying there and that can be quite helpful in terms of practical stuff, accommodation but also how friendly the city is and how um how many support uh, groups, environments there is in the in, in in the university you're looking at applying. Um so I think having that informal research before it's very helpful
3: as well.
0: That's really good. So I think generally we can summarise that support is is the most important thing that you think is is necessary. Um, for studying, we'll say in the UK, but maybe abroad if if someone from the UK is considering going abroad, I'm sure the same challenges will present themselves. Yeah. Um, and we're all very happy with the dementia research environment in the UK as well, so that's good. We've only said nice things. Um, so thank you all for coming in. It's been really nice to to talk to you all. Um, you can find this podcast, well, you've already found it, but you can find more on iTunes and SoundCloud and at the Dementia Uk website. And if you've enjoyed it, please do tell your friends, tell them to listen. If you've got suggestions for other podcasts, you can tweet at dem underscore researcher or you can use the hashtag ECRDementia. Um, if you've got any questions or discussions around this podcast as well i'm sure we'll all be online um so thank you very much all for coming in and i hope we'll speak again soon thank
2: you you.
0: this was a podcast brought to you by dementia researcher everything you need in one place register today at dementioresearcher.nihr.ac.uk